Welcome to the Tea with Tamara podcast. I'm Tamara Arnold. And it wasn't that long ago that I was a broke single mom drinking way too much, completely detached from everything. Now I've written multiple books, downloaded I Could Read Chakras, and I'm a channel for the universe. I'm a real person with real stories, and I can't wait to share them with you. So grab a warm bevy and let's have some enlightened conversation to live our best life. Hey, magical beings of love light. I am so excited to share with you someone that is changing my life from the outside in. Today, I've got Renee Serban on the podcast, and she is a skin expert. And I have to tell you, her knowledge of our epidermis and our skin is so amazing. And we totally geek out on today's episode. And I am so excited to share the journey of using her skincare. I totally, totally, totally fangirl on Renee. And so I'm, please grab your warm bevy. This episode brings me great joy because our physical body is just important as a vessel of our internal being to take care of. And this is the first episode in which I'm sharing my journey of making sure my physical body is in optimal shape. Hey friends, I am so excited. I have Renee Serban with me. Did I say your name right, Renee? Yes, you actually did. Perfect. I always explain it as I met Renee in February and I have to tell you, she is so beautiful. It blows your mind. And so as soon as I was like, I need to know more about Renee and what she does. So I found out she works in skincare and I have pretty much stalked her ever since and recently received my first package of Dermavisuals, which I, you can follow the journey on Insta stories. And I'm just so excited to talk with Renee and share her magic with you all today. Hey, Renee. Hey, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, it has been a really fabulous year and having met you really has made my year and my life so much richer. It's just such a joy to know you. Oh, I love this. I love starting with a love fest. Love bombs oh, back and forth to, to start the day off. I have that's to also, that should be. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. So as we're coming up for our podcast interview today, Renee sends me a message, just a simple little message that says, I'm going to be a little late because I am putting lipstick on. Now, I want to share the story because I think it's really impactful for what you do, right? And so when we got on today and I was like, okay, but you know that this isn't like videoed, like it's just a audio. And what did you say? <laughs> I think I said something along the lines of that. I want to put the lipstick on anyway, because it kind of makes me not feel powerful is perhaps not the right word, but yes, powerful. And in a way that yes, I can conquer the world. I'm here with purpose and with a mission. And it's just the little token of, you know, doing that because literally nobody would know if I was sitting here in my pajamas with my hair crazy and no makeup. And not that you know, that's to be judging anybody in that capacity, but I just find that I show up at a much higher level when I put effort into all of me that encompasses me. I think that is beautiful. I think that that is, I wanted to share that because I think that for me, that meant something to me. Yes. 
um, because I heard that it resonated with me as a means to show up for ourselves, right? Doing something for ourselves that helps us be the best version of ourselves, even if it's as simple as putting lipstick on before a podcast interview. So thank you. But uh, I want to I wanna get a little d- deeper down into the history and the story of Renee. That was just a soft start, Renee. <laughs> yes, I know that you're easy on me today. I can sense this. <laughs> just an easy start, Renee. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone can tell Renee has the coolest accent in the land. Um, so Renee, <laughs> let's go into a little bit of where Renee came from and what you do. Yes, well, this is so interesting that I'm having this conversation with you because I have to tell you, your name initially had conflict with me because I really want to say Tamara, which is how I normally pronounce your name if I read it, but then I moved to Canada and people don't understand what a tomato is if you want it on your Subway sandwich. So I started talking about tomato and then I kind of felt like maybe it's Tamara, Tamara, Tamara. It's like, no. Tomorrow feels right to me. So, yes, that is the South African in me, I guess, that, you know, even just little pronunciation. So, yes, I was born in South Africa. And then I moved to New Zealand at the age of 14. And the Kiwis corrupted my accent a little bit. So I often confuse people. And now I'm in Canada. I really need to stop moving countries. Do you really? Truly, or is it more fun to to have a little bit of that free spirit wild move around kind of? Because how old were you when you moved to Canada? Uh, But then I'll put the (laughs) 21. No, I'm just kidding. The math doesn't match up. I'm 100 years old as I sit here. (laughs) But I look good, don't I? You look amazing. Thank you. No, I was, gosh, I really have to think. I think 28. Yeah, 28. So did your whole family move from South Africa to New Zealand or was that just you? No, the whole family. I was underage then. So definitely my parents moved and packed up those kids. Actually, my brother became of legal age on the airplane as we left South Africa. So he got a, I remember him getting an alcoholic beverage on the plane because he was officially of age. It was so funny. He was 18. Um, and I know here it's the ages you know, 19 in Canada. So it was the gray line. We were over the ocean. <laughs> so um, I was 14 and my sister was 12. And it was my very first airplane ride ever to anywhere onto our new destination of the green shores of New Zealand. And then I moved to Canada at the age of 28. So what so, made you move from South Africa to New Zealand? Like, what was that about? Let, let me tell you. There's the secret to the universe. Anybody that leaves South Africa leaves it for one of three reasons or all of three reasons. Politics, economics, violence. Sad but true. And, you know, it's still beautiful. Like, I'm still very rooted in South Africa. I have a lot of family members still there. I think each country has its own set of problems that you have to deal with. You literally, for me, I'm in a privileged position there. I just get to choose which set of problems I'm willing to put up with and live there. So, so you didn't see it. In, like, were you witnessed any violence or anything like that when you were there? Or was, was it pretty sheltered where you were? Um, no. Well, I would say I was pretty sheltered. I probably have seen one or two things you know, that 
people might not see otherwise. But for me personally, I, I like unscathed, really unscathed. There's a lot of people there who see, you know, violence that they shouldn't. And it doesn't mean that, you're, that you won't experience that anywhere else in the world. It's just slightly more likely to see it, to see right. things, you know, that no person should see. Um, but but we see that in, in Canada, we see that in the United States, we see s- much less of it in New Zealand, but it's, it's everywhere. If, uh, like I say, there is no such thing as perfect place. Perfect place is where you decide to make it. Amen, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so you go to New Zealand when you are 14 years old. Yes. Is that uh, like an awkward, like being in another country, not knowing anybody? Or is it like you just were like, yay, I love it in New Zealand? I think New Zealand was perhaps a bigger transition for me than moving from New Zealand to Canada because I moved from New Zealand not being very versed with speaking English. So grammatically, like um, academically, I could read English, I could understand English, but speaking it, you probably would not have been able to understand half of what I'm saying. Or maybe you can't even now, but it was way worse then. <laughs> so because I'm Afrikaans, it's my first language. So I, at the age of 14, really have not spoken English on a consistent basis very frequently, even though I read it much more frequently. Because when you're Afrikaans in South Africa, you learn English and, um, and Afrikaans you know, out of the gate. Like at school grade one, you, you, you learn English as a language, almost like French emergence, if you will. Um, but except that you don't have the whole school in English, you go to school in Afrikaans, but you learn English alongside and it gets more complex as you, you know, graduate grade after grade. Um, but speaking it on a daily basis was challenging. And there was a long time where I would think what I wanted to say in Afrikaans, then translate it in my head and then speak the words. And I don't know if you've met other Kiwis yet. Kiwis talk really fast. <laughs> so, so I often had to say, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, because I just couldn't keep up with the speed of what they were saying. And now I speak quite fast myself. <laughs> so um, that was a steep learning curve. And then a little bit of cultural differences. So I remember my first day at school walking in there and A, the uniforms was very laid back. <laughs> if you will. And here in Canada, a lot of schools don't even have uniforms, but we were like very, you're like, you know, uniformed and your hair is up or off. (laughs) Um, Things like that. So the girl at school, the first girl I saw had pink hair. And I was like, whoa, she's a rebel. Because (laughs) in my day in South African schools, um, yes, you were not allowed to color your hair until you're until grade 12 makeup was like the rules around makeup and things like that but it's like you know not that it was negative there's no right or wrong there either it's just kind of what you're conditioned to it's just been what you know it's just what you know right like you don't know anything different because it's what you know and how you learn right that's right well and that's actually funny because i remember early on when we met you were saying to me like renee you need to wear your hair down more often and I really struggle with that because it's so ingrained. Like we were like, if your hair was touching your collar at school, it's like it had to be up or off. So I'm so ingrained in the ponytail fashion that I, even today, I can't let it go. My hair is very, very, 
up in a ponytail all the time. Except for our podcast interview where you wore it down just for me. Especially for you, yes. <laughs> Guys, if you could just see, like I have not the thickest hair, so we always want what we don't have. And Renee has this lush, beautiful, dark hair that I'm just like, oh my goodness. If that was on my head, I would be like the Pantene commercial everywhere I went. <laughs> So if we share some of my hair with you, then we'd both be happy. <laughs> I think so, truly. So my question's going to move into, because you then, so basically you were in South Africa for the amount of, same amount of time that you were in New Zealand. 14 yes. years. Yes. Bang, bang. And uh, so, because I know you moved to Canada with your husband, is that true? Yes. So... Actually, this year was a 10-year wedding anniversary, but we've been together 20. So I know I met him when I was very young. How old? You got to share the story. (laughs) I met him just before I turned 17. So he was my brother's friend, and then I (gasps) took him. (laughs) One of those stories. (laughs) He is the most amazing man. Yes, I really literally fell off my butt in butter with this guy. So lucky. And yeah, so 10 years together, 20 years together, 10 years married. Um, So we got married in May 2008. And then we moved to Canada in September 2008. Okay. We need to go back to the fact that he was your brother's <laughs> friend. I feel like we're rushing through this little piece of the story here because your brother was four years older than you, right? Because he three was year, Yeah, three years, years older. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is like, I watched all these movies when I was in high school about this, and I always thought, like, this didn't really happen in real life, Renee. So... How did that come about? Like, did, did your brother get mad at you? You know, n- no, and then yes. In my opinion, he would kill me if he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I must have made the most wicked coffees for them because, you know, they used to come and hang around the house and then, you know, I, I love coffee. So if you go and make a coffee, you know, the polite thing is to do to say who else would like coffee. So um, and then at some point in time, apparently my husband, my brother was going back to university. So he was kind of back for the summer break, which in in New Zealand is, you know, over summer, December, like now, December, January. So they were hanging out, you know, during the Christmas break and stuff. And somewhere around there, apparently, Morta and my husband asked my brother for permission to date me. Oh, yes. Like as a friend, right? And um, my brother went back to university and my husband, Morton, and I started to date each other. He actually asked me to be his valentine and we had to go on our first date on the 15th because I was working on the 14th. So we had the, our first date the day after. And yeah, so he apparently asked for permission, but I do think there was a period in time as our relationship got stronger that my brother had a little period of time of struggle perhaps with the relationship dynamics changing but they're the most amazing brother-in-laws now so you know they we yeah we hang each other we have kids now it's yeah it's great so that is pretty cool because then he just got to keep his best friend with him forever that, that's what that's how i view it 
<laughs> I was only helping you out. <laughs> I'm, I'm the glue for their continuous relationship, totally. <laughs> so you're, I have to ask, because I don't know the answer to this question and I've known you for a year. Like where, what point in your life did, um, you know, beauty and all of, because I, I know a little bit of Renee and I know that she stepped into... <laughs> I just want to say waxing things because of the stories you've told me, but like, you know, self-care, we'll just call it self-care on that magnitude. When did you start to kind of find your interest in that? It was, it's so funny because I didn't realize the magnitude of my decision, but initially, admittedly, it was probably a more of an economic decision. But in terms of self-care, um, my mother, an amazing woman, has always taught us to take care of yourself and, you know, you do your hair. And from early on, um, my mother gave us the option to have our legs waxed and, you know, okay, hair. Well, like how old did, were you given when, that? When I had my first wax, I must have been 12 or 13, 11 or 12. Yeah. It's like, that's not outside the norm in South Africa. Like, uh, you know, most women start self-care at that level pretty early on. And I would say in New Zealand, that was quite a surprise to me that it was, you know, it's kind of like when you're out on your own outside of the house, that oftentimes you were only exposed to your first leg wax or bikini wax or underarm wax, whatever the case might be, or even lash tinting or brow shaping, um, in New Zealand, my sense is definitely that it started much later, where in South Africa, that's just part of your upbringing as a girl earlier on, I think. So, yes, I was privileged with that, but I never associated with that, wow, this is what I want to do for my life. It was just part of the course, you know, like having your hair cut from time to time. So, um, but then I went to university. Well, actually, my last three years of school, I was homeschooled. I actually begged my mother to be homeschooled in the end. Um, and so I finished at a time where I had to wait for my paperwork for my grade 12, you know, that you actually finished all your credits for grade 12 to enter into university. And oh man, I was going to do business studies like full on. And then two years into university or almost two years into university, um, I decided not to continue that because in that downtime, I thought to myself, well, you know, you got to have a student job and, you know, you've probably come to know that I like to do things on my terms. So I actually, <laughs> so <laughs> I went to do a nail technology course because then I can run my own business from home in the hours that I choose. So I went to learn how to do like acrylic nails and gel nails and stuff like that and um, started working from home. So I was seeing a lot of people, you know, out of the house that I was working in and finally went into a, a clinic to do nails in a clinic. And then I was more exposed to the facial arena and the massage therapy and all that. I'm like, oh, I, I think I really like this. So I remember going home for a, for a mini vacation. And my, my parents lived like two hours away, so it wasn't big deal but I went home one weekend and said to my mom I want to go and do beauty therapy as it's called in New Zealand and I thought that she would hit the roof because my family are all like medical teachers you know um 
university graduates. So <laughs> I thought that she would be really upset that I go, I want to do beauty therapy. And she just looked at me, she says, okay, so what research did you do? Where, where do you go to do it? And how long does it take? And how much does it cost? Like, did you do your research? So I'm like, yes, this is the details. And she goes, okay, but you've got to finish this year of university first, and then you can go and do it. So I did. And then after I qualified as a beauty therapist, I went back to university to finish my studies, those last few credits that you need to have some piece of paper for the effort that you put in, you know. Um, but it was actually really good because when I went back, I did everything. And um, so my, my major was more in marketing. And then when I went back, I did more human, human resource kind of stuff. So it really helped me um, excel into like management roles in clinics I worked in very early on. So, yeah. So That's much information. I love when you guys tell me small stories because I'm like, I just want to go back to homeschooling for a second. <laughs> and then I want to move forward from that because I think that that's a really powerful thing because it's, it's so popular now homeschooling, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't something that most people did like however many years ago, since you're a hundred, I'm not going to do the math, but yeah. you know, what made you so strongly want to, to, cause that was for high school that you were, you chose. Yes. Yeah. So I was my own head girl and everything in between. <laughs> my sister and I did homeschooling and I tease her all the time to say, well, I was head girl for three years <laughs> when we did homeschooling. But I just felt my academics was falling behind and, uh, and the new academic reality moving from South Africa to New Zealand. You guys don't know about, well, you do know about rugby. Um, Canada has a rugby team as well. Did you know that? Do you know what rugby is? Rugby is like football, soccer thing, maybe, but it's, it's aggressive. Like, it hurts it's people. It's like football, but without the gear, you literally just body slam each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's really aggressive. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the year that we moved from South Africa to New Zealand, South Africa won the Rugby World Cup and they beat New Zealand in the final. So the story out there was that South Africa gave New Zealand team food poisoning, the All Blacks food poisoning. And by, and by the time I arrived in school, you would have sworn that I personally poisoned the All Blacks. <laughs> it was a really hard point in time to transition into the school in New Zealand. And I just had some challenge with, you know, mean girls and things. With mean no, I was just saying, can you take your bracelets off? I was trying not to say it out loud. Do you have bracelets? Oh, on? oh yes. Sorry, am I clicking? <laughs> You're clicking, and I just am like, my husband's gonna be so upset with cleaning this podcast later because <laughs> he won't be able to figure out what the ching 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 noise is. So I was trying to like code it, code oh. you, take them off without you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so animated when I talk. People can't see it, but I'm really animated. And. Um, Anyway, so yeah, in a nutshell, the not so nice girls were driving me insane. And I felt like the math that I was doing was what I did the previous year. And I really, you know, like when I set a goal, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to crush it. And I was not willing to compromise my academics. And so I asked my mom if I could do homeschooling for the remainder of my high school career. Like, I just think that this is a power statement about you, like a really incredible statement that you would, you know, take through 
because I know personally, I, I'm not really good at self-motivation and like, le- like learning on my own. I would have been reading young adult fantasy books all day and not doing my work. So, you know, I think this is a huge content, like I, I can't remember the word I was going to say there, but like a huge just statement on, on how incredible you are to like make that decision to do the work and to show up every day as that person. I just think that that's amazing. I wanted to call attention to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was really interesting. I didn't realize when I made the decision that you have to build up a certain amount of credits to graduate. And I ended up having to do five years of work in three years because you need enough credits. But it, it was really valuable lessons. And I'm very much, I can just get distracted really easily. So it really taught me a new level of focusing to get things done which serves me really well even today. So when you went to beauty therapy school, how old were you then? Oh, 21. And so 2021 around there. So then you did a couple of years there, then you went back to university, finished off there. And so then you started working in clinics as management. Yeah, so I actually worked while I went back to university um, to finish the credits. So I went to nighttime classes and so forth to finish my credits at, a, at actually the polytechnic, what they call a polytechnic in New Zealand, and then cross-credited my credits. Um, and it was wonderful because I could, you know, as I was learning, I could just see how, how it um, relates to the clinic. And I was working in, um, in clinics at, at the time. And I, I don't know, I really early on built out like in-house um, training for clinics. So like our own training curriculum for continuous education within the clinic walls, so to say. And, you know, that we all stand at the top of our game and we kind of, you know, work with each other's spatial techniques all the time, like learning to critique each other and learn from each other, you know, to just set yourself that bar above everyone else. Um, yes, and life just unfolded from there. I went up to do a, a, um, a five-day training course from my mentor in the industry, Florence Barrett-Hill about anatomy and physiology. So how to um, discover the underlying causes of skin conditions, really understanding what effect that has on certain cells and systems of the skin, and then how to match cosmetic chemistry to that. Um, And that was a life-changing five days, even though I cried myself to sleep every night. It was just the pivoting point in my career like amazing and I knew well by the time I went there I already knew that I I'm listening that's okay and I thought I'd just give you a moment there um you know that you that I don't want to be known as the meanest wax in town as my website says <laughs> and that really my 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 passion is in corrective skincare which kind of correlates I've always had an interest in science you know, and improving, you know, health and well-being. It's kind of what I've been surrounded with my life is like improving things that people are unable perhaps to improve themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, if you can change someone's acne and stuff like that, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a position of privilege um, to be able to have a, an effect on someone in that way, even if it's minor, if you can just contribute to, you know, helping them that step up, giving them that leg up. It's really a privileged position. So well, I love really it. It offers confidence, right? Like, cause you know, 
that's that's a huge piece of our skin is the confidence level because if our skin i mean we've all gone through hormonal skin and how that makes us show up and feel and so having you know clear skin or skin that you feel radiant in makes an impact Oh, absolutely. And I see it in the younger girls and boys that come with, you know, the teenage skin problems, you know, just like helping them understand that what, what's going on doesn't define them as a person and that it's just a, it's just a, a blip in time. It's just a little hiccup in this moment of time and this is not the forever thing. So going through that and then when people hit about 35-ish, they start to notice their skin changing in ways that they perhaps don't appreciate and just saying like, again, you know, this is not the constant. You shouldn't let it define you. And then of course, when people had menopause and really start to go into that aging thing for some women, that is really difficult to, to deal with from a confidence and self worth even point of view. And, you know, just separating that and understanding that there's something about you know, a healthy skin that is functioning, the purpose of it is actually to protect you from the outside world, the outside, you know, bacteria, etc., allergens, pathogens. And it is more troublesome when your defense mechanism fails than to perhaps worry about, you know, the pimple, what we call pustule in proper language, <laughs> or the wrinkle, you know, that you might have earned. I call them lines of wisdom. Um, you know, so there's a, but, but there is also like, is the damage that you're seeing in the skin correlating with the timeline of the individual, the, the chronological aging? Um, yes. And it really, if it's not, the, it can trigger bigger problems than meets the eye. Um, so. So I do want to get into more about, cause you, you talked about like different skin at different levels, but you did drop another bomb. And I like, when you guys drop bombs, I'm going to totally call you out on them. If you <laughs> even guess what I'm going back to right now, you can't just say my website said I was the meanest wax in town. <laughs> and expect me not to want to dive a little deeper in that. I do, like I said, I want to get back to different skin and how we can kind of keep sure. like do our skin well in different areas or you know seasons of our life but let's let's talk about the meanest wax in town because you seem like a nice lady renee <laughs> <laughs> yes and um, yes i think my turning point is like really when i was consistently booked with intimate waxing for fun we call it the back sack and crack waxing <laughs> and brazilian waxing <laughs> <laughs> and you know there it's actually funny because i wouldn't say i hate it it's just not what my folk what i wanted my focus to be but there is i must say huge kudos that i paid myself when someone trusts you to do that type of waxing for you and i'm gonna say especially men who feel a bit vulnerable you know so there there is a time and a place for it it's not services that i'm against by any stretch of the imagination but that is not my zone of genius so but i can know. see you making it very clinical and business-like like you know what i mean like like kind of oh. like i'm in i'm waxing i am out like good. do you do you want some nitty-gritty like my approach was literally hold there, buy down here, let's do it, and very, you're quite right, very clinical about it. <laughs> and I'm just going to ask this because we are all curious people. I'm being my listeners right now. You did this for 
you know, the, what do you call it? The back sack and crack. Is that what yes. you said? How long did you do that for? Oh, good. 10 plus years. I was always a very strong therapist across the board. So we like skin therapist or beauty therapist across the board. So I could wax really well, do facials really well. Um, laser technologies really well. I am actually ambidextrous with electrolysis. So if you think about having to put a needle hair fine down a follicle, I can do it with either hand. Um, so pretty strong across the board, but you know, there's doing things that is just like, you know, part of the rhythm of the profile of what you do to do the work that you do. And then there is that thing that you're like, yes, I have that booked in my column today that that ignites you. And for me, it is when I have facial treatments or consultations, especially when it is difficult skin, like rosacea and acne and pigmentation, things like that. I'm like, whoa, that just, you know, that is what excites well, me. Let's question about back, second crack. And then yes, I will move for forever it. for it. Like if you could just drop a number of genitalia that you believe that you have sugared waxed or like a roundabout number that you think you could have done i want to know it <laughs> i want to say um i'm gonna go 150 individuals waxing there for some reason renee i'm just <laughs> glad i know is it weird that i know that i think it's weird that i know that <laughs> I was just thinking calculating because, you know, hair grows back. You redo it every four to six weeks. <laughs> That's 150 people. You made a huge difference in their life. I want you to know that. That's very important. And then the era of laser. So the people that I felt really sorry for and were candidates, it's like, let's move on to laser. Let's get this done more permanently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I need a timeline here because I love timelines. You are doing this work because you had said you've been in the salons for over 10 years when I had asked about the waxing and stuff. So did you move from New Zealand to Canada while you were in and amongst all this? Yes. Yeah, so literally, um, I kind of did this life-changing training shortly after my wedding, shortly after my wedding. And I remember Florence saying, you know, she just like, when you teach people a lot, you often pick up like who has the X factor in a, in a, in a class. Um, or, or perhaps just something different about them. And um, so she came to me afterwards and said, so what are, you, what are you moving on to from here? And I looked at her and I'm like, well, I'm moving to Canada in September. <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> so um, she, but really I put a lot of elbow grease, sweat, blood and tears into um, really understanding the methodology. And then I actually ended up being a recognized um, prestige educator. So now I teach a curriculum um, globally, which is kind of fun. And, you know, people go and cry at night like I did when she made me cry. And then that's okay. We, we you know, wrap them up back and then say, okay, now that you know better, and this is my mantra in life, I suppose. It's like, when you know better, you do better. So when you understand better these nuances about skin from like, we have a definitely a different viewpoint of it, but then you choose to go and do better by your clients as well. So, you know, you don't know until you know. 
So it's like the science of skin that you studied. Absolutely. Anatomy, physiology, the cosmetic chemistry, clicking it all together, linking it all together. It really makes a difference. So when you say pigment to me, and everybody think, knows what pigment is, my brain thinks melanocyte, keratinocyte, how do they work together? What's not going? Why is the pigment not being passed to the keratinocyte in the right way? Because obviously something's gone wrong to see pigment visually on the skin. So that's kind of where my brain goes. And then second layer to that is what do I have in my products ingredient wise that can have effect on that cell that is overstimulated or understimulated to bring about the problem aside from just having a healthy balanced skin. So I believe what she's talking about when she says pigment is that like when I contacted Renee, I was like, there's this brown dot on my cheek, Renee. Sunspot. (laughs) Sunspot. How do I get rid of it? And I believe that's what you're talking about when you're saying pigment, right? Yeah. So like non-skin people know like anytime there's a miscoloration on the skin. Yeah, so it can be like melasma, that pregnancy mask that people sometimes get during pregnancy, the brown, they call it the butterfly pattern across the cheeks and the chin and perhaps a bit on the forehead or solar lentigenes like sunspots, liver spots is what it's also um, referred to um, or any other brown pigmentated spots or the lack of like when you see like a an area that has just completely white in comparison to the rest of your skin, that's called hypopigmentation or loss of pigment. Then there's me. I'm like, I think I have a sunspot, Renee, and I take a picture, and then she says, don't research this. (laughs) But I believe this this is what you have. (laughs) It's not as easy as a fix, Tamara, as you would like. And I'm like, awesome, Renee. Can we just focus on your aging instead? Like, that's easier. (laughs) Speaking of aging, right? Because this is a big thing. Our skin does not remain as youthful and lush and, you know, shiny and beautiful as when, and it's funny because when we're 18, we're like, oh, my skin's so bad. And then by the time we're 40, we're like, okay, I wish I had my 18 year old skin back. (laughs) So what is the degeneration of our skin? Like, and, and like, as it ages, how can we better prepare or keep it more like, I don't know, even know the language, I want to say hydrated, or some people don't need hydration, right? Like they need the opposite. But how do we keep? Sure. So, so I'm going to try and explain this in lamest terms and tell me if it makes sense to you. So, uh, so the skin is designed to protect you from the outside world. Okay. To do that, there's what we call the skin barrier defense. And it actually consists of five layers, but Let's, for this discussion, focus on the top two. The one being the acid mantle, which is your oil and water secretions of your skin will mix with each other on the surface of the skin to create the acid mantle, a slightly acidic film. That's why, you know, you hear all the ads about, oh, that specific company, five pH 5.5, slightly acidic. And it is acidic because bacteria don't like an acidic environment generally. So that's kind of part of our makeup. Um, And then we have this thing called the keratinocyte. So what I can touch when I pinch my cheek is called the epidermis, the outer outer skin layer. But the very top cell of that is called a corneocyte. Okay. Because there's five layers in the epidermis of a cell that 
transform from a keratinocyte to a corneocyte. And when it's cornified at the top, it's supposed to shed off as new cells come, come up, right? We know we lose skin and hair so many thousands or millions a day. So that's kind of part of the transitional process. So as long as that is normal and regulated, great. You don't have problems. When that is broken or disrupted in any capacity is when you have now gaps. Let's call it gaps in the skin for, in, for simple explanation that allergens and pathogens can enter the skin and water rapidly exit the skin. So the goal is to keep the nasty stuff out and water amongst other things in the skin, like your, your good water nutrients and so forth in the skin. And if you can create that harmony, homeostasis, then you have a healthy skin. But as we age, our natural defense systems break down. Even our ability to make oil in our own skin diminishes as we age. And that becomes particularly profound. The oil story becomes particularly profound when you hit menopause because, you know, that drop in estrogen just correlates to a drop in your natural oils in your skin as well. And so we often see that's when skin really starts to degrade. And there's multiple other things. Skin is multifaceted, I say. Um, so if you had a really, really good skin all your life, often menopause is the time when things start to change and shift. And pigmentation, for example, the melanocyte, if we think about that as a cell, um, your, your epidermis, your corneocyte, has a stem cell resource. So you always have something resembling skin. The quality might be questionable, but it will, you're, you're, it's, it's a blueprint. You will always have something resembling skin. You'll actually die without it. So, they, you know. Yeah. Well, it keeps us, our, you know, goo together. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> the melanocyte, on the other hand, has no stem cell resource. So if it gets damaged in any way, especially early in life, then you're going to live with the damage of that cell for a time. And there's no stem cell resource. It can't renew. Two, I have two questions. So when yes. we, we were going back to like where you're talking about the epidermis and the C word, the, the corneocyte. Corneocyte. And we were talking there and you were saying that it kind of sheds itself more or less, right? Like that's a layer that sheds and then when it stops because i think of exfoliation sorry that like this is the layman's turns like it stops just naturally um like re rejuvenating and so then does the dead skin cells stay on there and that's when it becomes more vulnerable to the path pathogens no it's when it's when the turnover of cells is not happening in the right way or the quality of the cell as it compacts, because the cell compacts, right? And then it's like literally a little line that is cornified. That's why it's called the corneocyte at that point. Um, if, the, if the flattening of the cell, so if you think of it like bricks in a wall, right? But the little brick kind of gets squished into a line as so the brick gets smaller the further up it goes because as it goes up, it delivers things to the layers of the skin and then like it has no, except for the physical protection and sun protection at the surface, it should in a healthy skin, there's a, there's a protein that keeps it intact. So this little protein called the desmosome, the cornea desmosome should dissolve and allow the skin to flake off. If it doesn't, you get things like eczema and psoriasis, the dry, itchy, flaky things we get as we age. 
and that can also trigger inflammation in the skin. But if the, if the compaction of the corneocyte didn't happen appropriately, it's like your page has turned up ears. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're supposed to lock into each other. So to create the beautiful brick wall with the mortar perfectly intact in between. So if you think of your skin being like a brick wall, your acid mantle has to be intact. The cell itself should be intact. And then the mortar between the bricks, which we call the multilamellar structure, should also be adequate because that's your, in, in total, your protection against the wall. And if any of those become compromised, it's literally like cracks in your wall or gaps in the roof. This, and, I feel like my, like my poor skin. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, so first of all, none of us know this, right? Because nobody tells us this kind of stuff when we're young or it's not like the priority that we learn. So I'm going to guess that we do things that compromise all of those things from early on. So uh, you, you yeah. should see Renee's really excited right now. <laughs> she's like, she's like yeah, just let me talk. <laughs> so go no, for it. I love that you used the word compromise because that's exactly what I say, a compromised skin barrier. Absolutely. So overwashing, overexfoliating is like the doomsday. So at, and I know even the industry teaches this very differently. So I'm sorry. Yes, the industry is also not teaching people the way that I see it anyway. And in my world, Renee's right. <laughs> in my world, Renee's right too. So don't. <laughs> Just come to the lights. Come to the light. <laughs> uh, no, but in lamest terms, like that's exactly like being aggressive with your skin. Acne is actually a great example. If you have an acneic skin, what's the first thing you do? If we have acne skin, we pop the zits and then we... Yeah. But I did. I actually even tried like the acidic stuff to try and burn it. I put toothpaste on it. I would do just about anything to, to get rid of it. I would put something on it that I think would burn it away or something like that. Right. And do you try to scrub your skin clean because you want to get rid of the excess oil, for example? You know, people with acneic skin feel like they need to clean the excess oil off and then they want to like scrub it because it feels textured and rough and bumpy. So they also want to fix that. So that we call it like if you squeak the skin, you've stripped the skin and your skin needs oil to stay healthy. So you're actually like creating a vicious cycle because your skin literally go, oh, I have no oil. I have to make some oil. And it really goes into this overdrive of just creating oil because it's necessary to create that first line of skin barrier defense. But it's like deep fryer oil instead of olive oil. So don't have viscosity to it. It sits on your nose and your chin and you look shiny in your T-zone, but you feel dry in your cheeks, but you still have acne. You're basically telling us we all started to compromise our skin in our adolescence when we had acne. Yes, probably before that, but yes. <laughs> and then talk to me because I know you love to talk about sun damage too. <laughs> so then we go yeah. out there with our d banana oils on <laughs> to like <laughs> to get the best sun that we possibly can. What are we doing? to hurt our, our skin. Try, 
frying the poor Milano side. No, so overexposure to sun, actually 80% of sun damage occurs in the first 20 years of life. That's great. And things become <laughs> smarter. And then you're like, well, now I'm sun protecting. And then a birthday with a zero or a five behind it hits. And you're like, well, hello, this brown spots suddenly appear on your face that you're like, where did this come from? And that's like, yes, you're paying for that day back when you were 18 that you spent too much time in the sun. It comes and meets you in the mirror in later life. And so now, so like I'm 41 and guys, like I said, I said this at the beginning, I am on board with everything that Renee is talking about. So I literally took my phone one day and was like, hey, look at all these things that are happening to my face. What do I need to do? So talking to us now about what's the most important thing that we can do if we've done a lot of damage, now we're aware of it and we don't want to look like we're, you know, 65 when we're 45. What are the ways that we can, you know, try to repair the damage that we've created over this time? So in simple terms, it's giving your skin what it requires for lunch on a daily basis, just like your body does, right? So there's nu a nutrient profile that skin needs. So the stuff I sent you happens to be like bioidentical to what your skin should have, right? So Is that different for everybody? There is a basis of it. So just like your exercise regime, you know, you got to, you know, you need to get your body moving. Let's, let's say that. But then some people are going to do more weight training, like, you know, muscle building while others are going to do more cardio. So then it becomes the nuances change depending on the outcome that we want. But there is a basic nutritional profile necessary for healthy cell function. So that's what we put on you, like the basic nutrient profile. Now, where the basis changes is on your natural water oil story. So some people are hereditarily more oily, more sensitive, for lack of a better word. I hate that word, but we'll use it because it's easy to explain. Or lipid dry, a lack of oil. So you either have a lot of oil, no oil, or you're this... Um, Diffused redness is what I call it. And it's like, uh, it's a high risk skin. You know, you're born with rosy cheek. You're going to die with rosy cheek. Tendency to be a little bit more lipid dry, but you have every, every skin type is different um, risk factors associated. So with, when I say your basic skin type and your audience can actually go to my Facebook page and do the quiz to figure out what basic skin type they have. I'll pin it to the Renee Serbon skin expert. One e, Renee with one e. Yes, Renee Serban, skin expert, and I'll pin the quiz to so you guys can take the quiz, and it's going to tell you. It's going to ask you about where you lived for the first twenty-five years of your life, whether you tan or you burn, because that indicates extra risk factors um, to certain um, profiles, and um, how how oily or how dry you are. And certain genetic groups are a bit more prone to one pathway or the other. So when you diffuse redness, you, these people kind of have a tendency to develop conditions like rosacea, for example, tend to have fairer type skins or have a, a great ability to tan, even no. when they theoretically should. Like as you're even telling skin types, I'm like going into my mind of all my friends and placing them in yeah. this category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't help it when you start to yeah. think of it. 
Yeah. So, so with that, like the only thing that changes is perhaps, and I'm going to repeat this because nobody understands when I say this, but it's the weight of the cream that you use is the, is at the base is the only thing that changes. So how much oil or how little oil that product contains in it, the heaviness of it. Well, that explains why you said, oh, I have a light, like a cream that I'm sending you to Mira. I might change that to a, like a heavier cream once you've tried it. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I am like the least beauty expert prior to this. I went to my natural store and I picked up an oil, like it's an oil set. Like I washed with oil. I, you know, sprayed some toner and my, my moisturizer, uh, moisturizer was an oil. And then your set came in the mail, which I love, um, but it's five products, right? That I'm using. Yeah. I gave you one extra one to start with. Was it the eye one? Because I was really excited about the eye one. It's the serum. Oh, okay, yes. Now, just using me as an example. Yes. Kind of go through the process in which you you figured out what my skin needed in order for me to have the exact thing that you brought sent to me. Yeah, so first I asked you where you lived for the first 25 years of your life and how much sun exposure you've had. Those are like key things. And then I asked you if you live where you genetically should be and you said no because you should be under a cloud in Scotland, if I remember correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So since you're not there and you have the redhead gene that you're in complete denial about. (laughs) Totally, yeah. I already know that you get more sun exposure than you genetically should be experiencing. So some of your cells have more stress associated with that. And therefore, certain conditions will be accelerated or you're more prone to developing certain conditions like pigmentation um, in your profile. You're also born with rosy cheeks. The redhead genes, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, Northern English uh, genealogy kind of parks you in that area. Anyway, so you have what I call a silk garment as opposed to cotton. You have a thinner, finer texture of skin. And so when you think about cleaning your skin, you should take that into consideration. You should launder your skin like silk, not like cotton. That's the coolest analogy ever. Isn't it? So I just have questions and I hope this helps people understand what you do. Cause like when I received my cleanser, it's a milk and it's like, I feels like silk when I'm putting it on my face. I'm like, it is like, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> this strange silk. She just sent it. We haven't talked guys before this, but I'm like, it doesn't lather. It doesn't do anything. It's just like, I don't know. Like I love it, but I don't have a clue what it's doing right now. Yes. It has a cleanser. It has cleansing properties in the ingredient profile. But what's really cool about that one is it also has that nutrient profile I was telling you about that your skin needs to, to have to function optimally. So you're already repairing skin damage right from cleansing. So I'm starting to repair my wall. Totally. Absolutely. Which for you and your profile would be a continuous thing. You always have to work at repairing the wall. Because the oil naturally, like we always need to replenish that in particular for your particular skin. Yes. So then the toner helps to um, saturate the skin. Let's call it hydration for lack of a better word. And that is like putting a sponge under the shower head before you put body wash on. So when you put the body wash on, you only need a drop to get that effect. If you put it, the body wash on a dry sponge, you have to put a lot of the body wash on. So what I'm saying is whatever you put on after toner, 
works way better if you actually took the time to use a toner and you need less, which is important because your money is spent on what comes after toning because that contains your active ingredients that you spend more money on. These are fascinating. See, now I'm learning so much. And then I put my serum serum on that legitimately says. For you, it's complexion liposome, which is (laughs) like... Stop sun damage is really what it yells at me. <laughs> exactly. So it has vitamin B that blocks a thing called tyrosinase, which is um, a part of the, if we can block that, it stops the formation of new pigment. You also have something called tranosamic acid in there, which is anti-pigment and anti-redness for you. So kind of like a really nice duo. Thank you for that. Will it actually do anything on the pigment that I actually have a regular pigment on? Will it help, like, you know, reverse that at all? I've seen it reverse, but I wouldn't go as far as stating that as an outcome. There are Mm -hmm. other things that I can, uh, that we put on when you're really showing me that you're very good. When you're compliant. You're throwing Renee, but I know. I know what you're saying. She did tell me that in order to get rid of my pigmentation, because I have a brown spot, which you guys will all stare at now when you look at my pictures on social media. And um, she's like, we can get that, but it'll look like you have a pizza face. It'll turn your face really red. And I was like, awesome. But I want to document my skin. I actually do want to document how your, your product is actually affecting me. Oh, yes. Yes. And does my, she gives me eye cream. Is that going to help with the wrinkles? Yes. Yes, it will help with your wrinkles um, because it has a cucumber extract and a product called Kajelia extract in which in Africa, the women take off their Kajelia Africana tree, they pulp it and they put it on their bosoms for 40% increased firmness. I know. Isn't science awesome? Awesome. No, everybody's going to get the cream and be secretly rubbing it on their breasts now. <laughs> I have it in a pure concentrate as well. <laughs> and then I have this beautiful, um, this is the difference you're saying, depending on if somebody has oily skin or dry skin, whether they have a light yeah. or a heavier yes. like moisturizer that they put on. Yeah. So you have like the one that's in between and like you live in an area like in Canada, you have extreme. So you might need a lighter base cream in the summer and a heavier one at, in the winter. So you might need more oils at richer product in winter than you do in summer. So I switch mine between winter and summer because that's the beauty of going customized skincare is that it should change based on what's happening in real life. If you're taking a vacation to Mexico, it's probably a good idea to think about the skincare that you're taking because it's very different than what you need in, in Niagara Falls or in St. Catharines. Well, you remembered my city. That's nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not the most common. <laughs> so again, I'm, like I said, I want to be the guinea pig for all my listeners to watch what's, what's going on. Cause it really is like, I watched one of your YouTube videos where, you know, you had the base cream and then you started to add in all the nutrients, like you were dropping them in and mixing it dependent mm-hmm. on each person's specific, you know, facial chemistry. And I thought that was really profound to me to think that, you know, the care and the the thought went into each person's individual needs at that Mm -hmm. level Mm -hmm. so that it's not just a off the shelf, everybody gets the same product. Yes. And it shouldn't be because nobody has the same issues. 
So for you, the first thing I do is rebuild my client's barrier because if your barrier is not functioning, it can't take on board whatever I ask. So we're just rebuilding your barrier at the moment. I gave you some corrective stuff to help with your spot that you told me about. That's kind of cool to keep you happy for now. But next round, we can now customize and then we put things in anti-aging and anti-pigment for you. The anti-aging is beneficial because it will also help with your pigment um, by default um, as well. So then we're building skin strength and bringing different, um, uh, yeah, different end results to the, to the equation that we're trying to accomplish. Anti-pigment, anti-aging, anti-redness. We move from one to the other. Once we conquer one, you move on to the next. And you should change like that all the time because skin changes. That's true of digestion too. Like when you're like, you know what I mean? Like I, I just seeing that mirrored very similarly in the sense that, you know, like I'm just using that I have parasites and then I'm going to have to fix my, you know, because yeast, you know, eats the parasites. So you could go into a higher yeast and then I'm going to have to deal with the yeast and then, you know what I mean? And it's all just getting itself to a beautiful landscape. And that's basically what we're doing with the layers of our skin too. Exactly. I deal with bugs. Like the gut microbiome has a direct correlation to the skin microbiome at the end of the day. This yes. has been amazing. I have to tell you that. Like, I've loved this. I could sit here and talk to you and the science of the skin forever. It does help that, you know, from the history of my, the, the human anatomy and physiology and nutrition is part of my life story as well. So like, I want to geek out with you deep on this, <laughs> like I do. But I think that this was a great way to introduce everything that you do. People can go to your Facebook page and get the, the quiz, right? And guys, you can follow along. I'm going to be tagging Renee and everything that's going on in my skin um, and the story of what I'm doing there. So follow that along. But where else can they be like, Renee, I need you. I need you to help me. My skin needs some love. Where do they go to find you? Yes. So we have a number of clinics around Canada and the United States. So if you're near one of those, we'll hook you up. Otherwise, we will um, connect you with someone who can take care of you. Um, so the um, Facebook is great, but also Renee at ReneeSorbonne.com. And the website is ReneeSorbonne.com. So go and have a look. It's actually live. So you can go there. Yes. Right. And when you do the quiz, it is going to tell you what skin type you have. But if you fill in your name and email, it will email you. I'll email you your daily regime of ideal non-product aligned. It's just going to tell you what you should be shopping for and what you should be doing and how to apply it, etc., on your skin. So the key things that's really important for that basic skin type. So finding out what basic skin type you have first taking care of that. And then you can put your wish list on top of that to take care of whether that be looking 21 again, whatever that might be. Um, you can do that after you've repaired your skin barrier. So really awesome. And thanks for letting me nerd out with you on this. I know I get, I get a bit carried oh, no, away. I love nerding out. <laughs> nerding out is my favorite. <laughs> like geeking out on all the ways is like the thing. Plus we are like this, uh, this human body, that we live in is the only human body that we get for this turn of the earth. Like I truly believe that. So having you come on and helping with, you know, our basic skincare so that we can, or actually our in-depth skincare so that we can be, you know, my whole purpose in life is to like human body on all levels. So I fully appreciate what you are able to bring to the table for it because it is the most seen piece part of our human body, our faces. Exactly. Yes. But it's kind of funny how it impacts what goes on on the inside as well. So I, I think that's a, that's, that's the privilege of the work I do is wonderful. And like yours is, 
yours is the other way around. It's kind of interesting. It's so true. The energy yeah. on the inside can shift the energy on the outside. And it so does. I'd like to drop one question on you here before we kind of sign off a little bit. Renee Serban. Yes. Adding to, I was talking to Kelsey Abbott in the last podcast and she said, or on her podcast, and it was like, I'm going to put a book list together, but I am asking every single person who comes on, and I know you said you're more of an audio book, but I don't even care, but a book that made an impact in your life. It can be any book at all that you read or listened to that went, oh my goodness, I'm changed from this book. What book would it be? It's a nerd answer completely. And it has to be the advanced skin analysis book by Pastiche, uh, by Florence Barrett Hill, which has taught me how to view skin in a completely different way. Literally life-changing. It was mind-blowing because it's quite the opposite from what I always thought I'd do. So that, and I still read it. I have a signed copy now. And it's actually one of the few physical books <laughs> I read since I'm more audio, but I love it. I I. It's the best book that has, it was life-changing. What more can I say? I love that you shared that. And I I know that there is going to be a listener who is listening to that and wants to know that much about face and skin and the the chemistry of how it works and correlates with each other. And so that will go on the 2018, you know, podcast, the guest book list I'm going to put together. Okay, That's right? wonderful. Yes, yes. It is a, it's a heavy read, but awesome. Very, very cool. Renee, I love you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your stardust with us today. Thanks for having me. And thank you for always shining so bright to allow us to see our pathway as well. You've really lit up my own pathway for me. Again, I appreciate you deeply. I just love you. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great time. Thank you.